Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Our sermon this morning is called The Power of Prayer. We're looking at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. And throughout the scriptures, we see God answering his, his people's prayers, the people that are praying to him, in powerful ways. One example is Moses prayed and God spared Israel from judgment. Last week, my son Nathan preached a spectacular sermon. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen to it. It will really encourage you in your faith and in your prayer life. Joshua prayed and God caused the sun to stand still. Hannah prayed and God gave her a baby boy. Elijah prayed and God sent down fire from heaven. Jonah prayed and God delivered him out of a belly of a whale. And the thief prayed and God gave him eternal life. Every individual I just referred to who prayed had two things in common. All of them had a problem. Second, when they prayed, God powerfully, miraculously answered their prayers. I've been studying the Word of God now for over 40 years, and this is one thing I've learned. Every miracle in the Bible begins with a problem. Every miracle. Matter of fact, you can't find a miracle in the Old Testament or the New Testament that doesn't begin with a problem. So you know what that means? That means the only people who cannot receive a miracle are people who don't have problems. You know what that means also? It means that when you face a problem, when you find yourself in a crisis, the minute you begin to pray, in that moment, you become a candidate for a miracle. The moment you begin to pray, you become a candidate for a miracle. Our passage today, we find the people of God praying because they're in a crisis. They're facing a problem, and they pray, and God answers their prayers powerfully, delivering Peter from both prison and death. It is a spectacular story. But before we begin, let's let's pray. Let's do what we're talking about. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, and you would fill me with your spirit, And you would speak through me to your people, and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord Jesus, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Acts is the story of the church, and Acts chapter 12 is the story of the church in crisis. Why? Because they're being persecuted, and their leadership is being systematically executed by a madman named King Herod. This is King Herod Agrippa, the grandson of King Herod, who was at the time of the birth of Christ. And this grandson is terrorizing the Christian community. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and tended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread 
After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. If you know anything about the book of Acts, you know this, that Stephen, who was a man of God, who was one of the leaders of the church, was already, had already been stoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Now we just heard in our passage that Herod has now taken James, the brother of John. This is a major leader of the church and had him executed. Now he's gone after the number one leader with every intention of executing him. He put 16 soldiers around Peter, chained two of them to his body so that Peter had no way of escape and the church couldn't rescue him. And what's happening to this early church as they watched their leaders being executed, dragged off to jail? What, what are they? They're, they're afraid. They're overwhelmed. They're discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever been overwhelmed? Over, overwhelmed? Have you ever been in a situation where you can't find a way out? You can't see how you're going to be rescued, how you can escape from whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you're looking at the world today or even looking at the United States and wondering, when will it happen? When will we as Christians be persecuted here in the United States? Maybe that's going around in your mind. If you're thinking those thoughts or you've experienced those things, guess what? You can relate to the early church. So what did they do when all this was happening? They called a prayer meeting. Look with me in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I, I'm so thankful for Craig, Pastor Craig, that he's calling us to prayer. And that he put together a prayer meeting on Wednesday. You know, Tammy and I have, have really had a hard time getting there because of the ministry that we run. Tammy's made it a few times. I haven't made it at all. But we're looking at our calendars right now, trying to figure out how we can get to that prayer meeting. How about you? Amen. How about you? Are you trying to get to that prayer meeting? Listen, God does things differently when two or three gather in his name. He does. You can pray and God will answer your prayers. But there's something about when God's people gather together and we agree together on earth as it is in heaven and God does certain things. You want to make that prayer meeting, huh? And I'll try my best to be there too. But if we can't make it, we need to be people of prayer throughout the week. Amen? We need to continue to learn what we're learning today and put it into practice. Well, that's what these folks were doing. And they were praying. And it says that they were praying earnestly. What does that mean? It's a Greek word, and it's a Greek picture word used to describe the stretching of a muscle to its limits. It's describing a muscle that is fatigued and exhausted because it's been stretched. You know, I lift weights, not during COVID. I, I can't go to the gym anymore, but I used to anyway. And I, when you lift weights, you do you know, 15, 20 reps. After you do that, all of a sudden you can't even move the bar. Why? Because your muscles are fatigued. They're exhausted. That's how these people are praying. They're praying. They're praying hard, folks. They're praying long. They're praying intense. They're physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted praying for Peter. That's earnest. That's earnest. The same word earnest, that word is only used one other time in all of scripture. One other time. It's found in Luke chapter 22 verse 44. And this is describing Jesus when he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. This is what Luke writes. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
Jesus and the early church, they weren't playing. They were praying. I've heard pro athletes talk about the fact that they're going to leave it all on the court or they're going to leave it all on the field. Well, Jesus and the church were leaving it all on their knees. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you prayed earnestly? When's the last time we, as a church, really prayed earnestly? I wonder what God would do if we, the church, would really pray like the early church. We really prayed earnestly. What do you think God would do? Well, let's find out. Let's look at what God did for the early church in verses 6 and, six and 7. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. I love that word, but suddenly. But suddenly, that's so often how God shows up. Remember, Herod is going to take Peter out for trial in the morning with every intention of executing him. So the clock is ticking. It's the midnight hour. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. You know, there's an old saying, God is never late, seldom early, but he's always on time. God is never late, seldom early, but he's always on time. Tammy, my wife, tells a story about her when she was a little girl. When she was a little girl, she really struggled with fear. Anybody in the room struggle with fear? Well, Tammy, fearful when she was a little, God delivered her of that. But she was in church, and the church was talking about the end times and saying that in the end times, Christians will be persecuted and they'll have to die for their faith. And she went up to her daddy and she said, Daddy, I don't know if I'll be courageous enough. I don't know if I'll be faithful if I ever get persecuted, whether I'll die for Jesus. And her daddy looked at her and said, Honey, when, do, when I take you down to the bus stop and I'm going to put you on the bus, when do, do I give you the ticket to get on the bus before the bus shows up? She said, No. Do I give you the ticket when the bus drives away? She said, No. He said, When do I give you the ticket? And Tammy said, Right when the bus shows up. And he said, Yeah. Just before you're going to get on the bus, I give you the ticket. And he looked at his little daughter and he said, Tammy, listen, God might not give you the courage before and he might not give you the courage after, but he will give you the courage right when you need it, right on time, because your God is faithful. And that is the truth. In my life, I have seen God do it but he only does it right when I need it. How about you? And that's who our God is. He's, he's never late. He's seldom early, but he is always on time. It's a midnight hour, and Peter is there. He has no way of escaping, no way the church can, can, can rescue him. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, and when he shows up, everything changes for the good. Look at verse 7. The angel comes to Peter and says, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his hands. How many of you have experienced the chains falling off of you, huh? The young lady that we just saw on video saw the chains fall right off of her. God delivered her. Listen, I believe there might be somebody in the room that needs to hear this. You need to get up and you need to look up. Look toward the hill from where your help comes. Your help comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. He can deliver you. 
he can deliver you. In verse 8, it says this, And the angel said, Get dressed and put on your sandals and your coat. Then in verse 9, it says this, Peter followed him out of the prison. God will do what you can't do, but God will not do what he's asking you to do. God will do what you can't do, but God won't do what he's asking you to do. Listen, if Peter would have stood there and said to the angel, no, I'm not going to get dressed, I'm not going to go because all those soldiers are out there, and he he wasn't obedient, most likely the next day he would have gotten up and been executed. But because he was obedient, he did what the angel told him to do, he was delivered. You know, there's people today who use prayer as a substitute for their responsibility. What do I mean by that? You can pray that you'll lose weight, but if you eat everything in sight and are unwilling to exercise, guess what? That prayer is not going to work. You can pray that you're going to get a job, but if you're unwilling to go out and look for a job, that prayer is not going to work. You can pray that you're going to pass the history test, but if you don't, if you don't study, guess what? That prayer is not going to work. Listen, you can pray, and God will do what you can't do, but God's not going to do what he's asking you to do. You've got to be obedient. My, fa- my father-in-law used to say it this way. He used to say, you pray like it's all up to God, and then you work like it's all up to you. And that's what these folks are doing, man. They're praying, and Peter had to be obedient. In Acts chapter 10, it says this. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. There's no explanation of how Peter escaped except for the power of God. It was the power of God that sent the angel. It was the power of God that loosened the chains. It was the power of God that opened up that iron gate. How many of you in this room know this? That God will open the door for you that no man can shut. And he will shut doors that no man can open up. Listen, some of you might be facing something that seems absolutely impossible. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep being obedient because God will open doors that no man can shut. And he will shut doors that no man can open. That's the truth from the scriptures. Look at at verse 11 with me. Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Is Peter saying that he didn't believe in the Lord here? Is he saying that he just didn't believe the Lord? No. Look at verse 9. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. What was happening? Well, God was overshadowing Peter. You remember in the scriptures when Jesus was, mobs would come, crowds would come to take his life, and then he would walk straight through the crowds, unscathed, untouched. Why? Because God was overshadowing him. Peter was being overshadowed. When, that, when the angels showed up, those, those soldiers, they didn't leave. They were still there. But God overshadowed them and led them right out of that prison, right out, and the gate opens up because God is going before them, hemming them in behind, and with them in that moment. And people will say to me, what does that mean? Well, when you look in the scriptures, that can mean a lot of things. God sometimes blinds people so they can't see for a moment. He'll confuse them. He'll even put them to sleep. He He does all kinds of things. I don't know what he was doing there, but I've experienced it myself. My life has been threatened. 
I've gone through some very difficult times and I've been in very difficult situations and I've seen God overshadow me and I cannot explain to you how I escaped or how I got out of that situation except God overshadowed me. That's what God does today, but there's two things you gotta do. You gotta be people who pray and you gotta be obedient to what God is asking you to do. And he will protect you. He will go before you and hem you in behind. In verse chapter, verses 12 and through 14, it says this. When this had dawned on him, talking about Peter, he went to the house of Mary and the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a serving girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter's at the door. Now imagine for a moment, Peter has been sprung out of jail. He finally comes to realize that it wasn't a vision, this is really happening. He goes back to the prayer meeting. He finds the prayer meeting, knocks on the door, Rhoda gets up, goes to the door and says, who is it? He says, it's Peter. She recognizes the voice. She's so excited she flips out, she goes berserk, forgets to open up the door, runs back into the prayer meeting, tells everybody in the prayer meeting, Peter's at the door. How do they respond to her? Look at verse 15. You're out of your mind, they told her. <laughs> You're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Now listen, if you are praying earnestly, asking God to deliver Peter out of a jail... Why is the angel trying to get into your prayer meeting? Wouldn't the angel be down at that jail like Elvis, rocking that jail to get Peter out of that situation? Absolutely. But meanwhile, Peter's outside pounding on the door saying, let me in, let me in. Finally, in verse 16, it says this. They opened the door and are totally amazed. They were astounded that God had answered their prayer. I want to look at those two words, totally amazed. When God does a miracle, that's a great response. When he does a miracle, you know why? You can't explain, you can't, you can't understand it, and you can't figure out a miracle. Why? Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. And your only response is, that's amazing. Totally amazing. I've told you the story, but my son was 16 years old, Jonathan. And he began to become very sick, began to throw up. We took him to the doctor. And then end up going to the hospital. What they discovered is that my son, and the moment he would drink a sip of water, he would throw up. So they put a feeding tube up his nose, down his throat, into his stomach, and gave him liquids in order to sustain his life. And we went in and out of the hospital 12 different times for 57 straight days. And then finally, I remember the doctors bringing Tammy and I in and saying, you know, there's nothing we can do. We don't have any other course for you. We're just going to encourage you to go maybe to, Cle to Cleveland Clinic. We walked out of that office that day. We were really discouraged, but we continued to pray. Our adopted daughter, Amy Volstadt, gave us a phone call and encouraged us to come to a prayer meeting where they had a healing service on Saturday morning. Jonathan and Tammy and, and Amy went. I couldn't go. When they got there, Barbara Garden, Gar Garlington, Bishop Garlington's wife, put her hand on Jonathan and prayed for him. They walked out of the service, went out to get something to eat. Jonathan hadn't drunk a sip of water for 57, 57 days. He sat down at a table, picked up a glass of water, drank the whole thing. Drank a gallon of water that day, pulled out his feeding tube, and God healed our son. Healed him. 
I took our son back to the doctors and, and they examined him. You know what they said? They said, we can't figure it out. We can't explain it. We don't understand it. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, because it's not natural. It's supernatural. God healed our son. It's a miracle. And one of the doctors looked right at me and said, absolutely. No other explanation. It's a miracle. We serve a God who's miraculous. A God who is absolutely powerful. What would God do if we earnestly really prayed? What would God do if we were really obedient? And we did what he asked us to do. I think we would see miracles. I think we'd see, God, we'd see people delivered. We would see people coming to know Christ. We would see fear being gone from people. We would see people being courageous and strong and joyful, filled with love and compassion. That's what I know. If we as his people would really pray and be obedient, because that is who our God is, and that God lives within you and me by his spirit. The same spirit that is moving in these people live within you and me. What is keeping the spirit of God to do what he wants to do. The only answer to that is us. So how about coming to the prayer meeting? How about getting on your knees with us as the body of Christ and praying and trusting and believing God? You can walk right out of this service and go on in living your life just any way you want. But it doesn't change the fact that our God is a miraculous God and he can deliver you, and he can deliver the people around you. You know, when these people are praying, he's praying, and he says this. He says, they say, after total, totally amazed, they say this. They were astounded that God had answered their prayer. Now, most pastors I've ever heard take off on this, they throw these people under the bus. They basically say that they ye of little faith. I do not agree at all. Let's put it in the context. Herod has killed James, the brother of John. You think they had a prayer meeting for him? Absolutely. They were praying for James, but he was executed. He was, ex he was killed. So now they're praying for Peter. And they're asking God, we don't know. What are you going to do? Because you know what? God answers prayer. But he answers prayer by saying no or yes. And when he says yes, he'll say it quickly, a yes quickly, later, or even better. The first time they prayed, they said no. This time, he said yes, and he delivered Peter. I don't know why when I pray for certain people, they're healed, and other times they're not. I can't understand. I don't know that. But I'm always praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because of the question, that, how I'm going to answer no. When God answered no to Jesus, no is an answer. We might not like it, but it is an answer. And when we say, we, we pray, and God says no, remember Jesus. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he's praying, oh God, Father, take this cup from me. Now feel it, understand it. This Jesus is going to die an unbelievable death. He's saying, God, please take this from me. And the Father says, no. Why? Because the Father knew if, God, if Jesus, his son, didn't follow through with the mission, didn't go to the cross, every one of us in this room would be lost for all eternity. 
So he said no to his son because he had you in mind. He had your back. He knew. And Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And Jesus went to that cross and died, was raised again from the dead. Anyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. So when God says no to you, look to the cross and understand if he's saying no, he has your best interest in mind. And I'll guarantee you, if he's saying no, it's because something, he need, something good. There's a reason why God is saying no to you. And you need to trust him on it. But if he says yes... He usually says yes quickly, later, or better. I remember this time I was in Mexico with a bunch of young people, and we were there on a missions trip, and we, I was taking them through, and we were having, we having time of prayer together, and we were doing these prayer walks, and we walked in this little hovel of a, of a house, and there were 16 adults in that room, and there was a little baby right in the middle of them, and they, they looked so downcast. I couldn't speak the language, but I could figure out that this baby was sick. So I picked up that little one, I lifted him up like this, and I prayed. I said, God, heal this son, heal this boy in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, that little boy went to the bathroom all over the place. I mean, everywhere. And I'm holding him, he's going to the bathroom everywhere. Meanwhile, all the people in the room are standing up praising God, and I figured it out. He hadn't gone to the bathroom in a long, long, long time, and they were thinking that this is bad. But God healed him. God answered that prayer very quickly. He does that. But then there's times he answers prayer later. Great example of this is found in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is praying. And the moment he prays, his prayer is answered. But then Gabriel, the angel, shows up 21 days later and tells Daniel, the moment you prayed, God answered. But it took me 21 days to get here because there was a spirit, a demonic spirit in Persia trying to keep me from getting to you. In other words, there was a spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies. And then finally, Gabriel took over. He came and he delivered the answer to Daniel. And this is what you need to remember. When you are praying and the answer has not yet come, be like Daniel. Daniel never stopped praying. He kept praying till he got the answer. Don't quit because that prayer, that answer could be right around the corner. You know why? Because God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays do not mean God's denials. Don't give up. Keep praying until you get an answer. Last one, God answers better. Sometimes you're praying about something, but God wants to give you something better. I'll never forget what Billy Graham's wife said, Ruth Graham. She said this once, if God answered every prayer of mine, I would have married the wrong man seven times. Thank God that God doesn't answer our prayers like we think he should. Remember, we're praying for his will to be done, not ours. Not ours. So as we conclude here, I want you to know this. God is a miraculous God. We need to pray. And we need to be obedient when we pray. And God will answer no or yes. But if he answers yes, he'll do it quickly, later, or better. But the greatest miracle of all time is salvation. And there might be one of you today that is out there and you're kind of wondering, I don't even know if I know this God you're talking about, Pastor Ed, or I'm not really sure. If you lived, if you knew my life, you knew how many times I screwed up, how many times I've, uh, the things I'm doing, you'd be questioning whether or not you're saved too. And you want to know that for certain today. You want to know that you are a child of God. And maybe somebody's watching on way of live stream. I'm going to pray a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus does. But he's alive. And I want everyone just to bow their heads for a moment. 
If you'd like to ask Christ to be your Savior and your Lord, just see him standing there. He's there with you right now. See him walking right up to you. Let me guide you in this prayer. Make this your prayer, your prayer, as I lead you. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of the things I've done. I turn from the way I'm living, and I turn to you. And I ask right now for you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to be a child of the living God. So I'm committing myself to you. I'm asking you to forgive me, fill me with your spirit so that I can live for you. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Online, if you prayed that prayer, just there's someone there that will help you. If you prayed that prayer, please come today and let me know that. But I believe there's some of you in this room that are really facing some things that seem impossible. Might be a relationship. Might be a situation that you, you've been praying about and you can't seem to break through on. Or you might need a touch from God. Someone in the room that just needs healing. Maybe you can't have a child. Maybe you're here and, you, and you're struggling because you have some kind of physical ailment. I'm going to be standing right down here. And I'm going to ask that even as we begin to play, as the band plays, you come down. You come down. You can sit right up front here and wait. And I'll pray with you. And we'll believe God for whatever it is that you believe that God can't do. And let's believe together. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he does something. If we pray for his will, we're obedient and we believe. Lord God, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for the opportunity to open up your word of God. We pray for those who come to know you and those who need prayer. We ask God for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.